Greetings, beloved being of love and light. Today we're going to talk about life after death. Some of the biggest fears people have is the fear of death, or the fear of a loved one's death, or the fear of hell. But today I'll do my best in completely removing these fears from within you. All fears are based on illusion, and so we, we will discuss the illusions behind each one of those fears. Pretty much every single religion tells us that there is life after death in some form. Traditional Christians, Muslims and Zoroastrians believe in a heaven or hell afterlife. Buddhists and Hindus believe in reincarnation until one reaches Nirvana or Moksha. In the Law of One, Ra tells us that all souls go through thousands of lives during third density in order to try to learn the spiritual lessons needed to progress on to fourth density. Similarly, in Sufism, which is a branch of Islam, and Gnosticism, which can be thought of as an earlier branch of Christianity, it is believed that one reincarnates unless they actively seek Gnosis or Ma'rifa, which is knowledge of the truth, while they are alive, after which they will reunite with God or their higher self. So, Buddhists, Hindus, Sufis and Gnostics all believe that one escapes the cycle of birth and death when they reach a state of consciousness brought about by seeking the truth of oneself and reality. In this way, they do not believe that hell and heaven are actual places. Heaven is viewed as the state of liberation once one reaches their highest state of consciousness, and hell is where one remains in the cycle of birth and death, where each life will include some sort of suffering. Could this be what heaven and hell are referring to in Christianity, Islam and Zoroastrianism? What does science have to say about this? Well, Einstein famously discovered that energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be transformed. In previous topics, we have gone into depth about how who we really are is beings of love and light. Love and light are both forms of energy, which both make up our life force energy known as chi. We have also covered the scientific proof, proof of this life force energy within us. Therefore, our life force energy was never created and can never be destroyed. So our true selves have always existed and will always exist. The reason many people believe they can die is because they identify with their egos, and every ego believes it is the body and the character that it is playing. Both the body and character can die, but we must realize that the body is simply a tool that we use to have this 3D experience and our characters are formed based on programmed illusory beliefs. By recognizing our true nature, we can realize that who we truly are cannot die or be destroyed. Let's talk about hell for a second. Just think about it, would a loving God create you so that you worship him and follow a strict lifestyle, otherwise he will punish you forever? This doesn't make sense, particularly when religions preach about love all the time. When, re when you realize that you are part of God, you will understand that God would never eternally punish itself or want to be eternally apart from itself. And when you realize that the whole point of life is to experience and learn and that there are no mistakes, you will understand that you would never be punished for experiencing or doing anything. Hell is a myth. You are the decision maker for your soul. You are the one who decides whether to reincarnate or not. You are your own judge. The idea of hell or a punishing God 
comes from the illusory belief in separation between us and God. But as we have learned throughout this course, there is no separation. You and God are one. Each density can be thought of as a grade or year in school. If you do not learn the lessons you need to learn in order to graduate to the next grade, you simply redo the year out of choice. There is no punishment for redoing the year. In this way, eventually, we will all end up in the exact same destination, which is the graduation of the final year, where we reunite with God. Hell is not a place, but a state of consciousness where one identifies with the ego. He heaven is therefore a state of consciousness where one identifies with their true self. We have explained in previous topics how all suffering is caused by the ego and its thoughts. So, heaven is a state of consciousness with no suffering, just pure love and bliss. Many might say that some evil people deserve to go to hell, but there is no one who is inherently evil. They can't be. We are all beings of love, the same being of love in fact. The difference is that some people are more identified with their ego, their false selves, than others. When one is so heavily identified with their ego, they have distanced themselves from love, which is who they truly are. This can lead to people not caring about others and disadvantaging others for their own personal gain or pleasure. If you do not give love, you are unlikely to receive love. So those who are so heavily identified with the ego try to acquire material things, power or status as a replacement for love. But love is the only thing that fulfills the soul. And these people will realize this at some point, whether in this life or in a future life. Near-death experiences, which are NDEs, and out-of-body experiences, OBEs, are gifts that we are given to help us understand life after death. In many near-death experiences, the person's brain and body are completely dead while they have these experiences. Think about it. If the brain and body are dead, but consciousness and awareness continues to exist, doesn't this mean that we are not our bodies and brains? When researching thousands of NDEs and OBEs, you'll find that people who experience them seem to say the same thing. Every OBE and NDE are similar in what they experience, but certain specifics are unique to each person's life. For instance, nearly all experiences seem to report how their soul separates from their body and looks down on their body. They all then go through a tunnel towards a bright light, where they are then overcome with love that they have never felt before, and they see, be they see beings of light around them. Despite not having a body during these experiences, they are able to be aware of everything around them. Many come back with the understanding that everything is connected and that we are all co-creators. And many come back very spiritual, believing in God and dedicating their life to helping others. Near-death experiences come back telling us that no one judges us but ourselves and that they all decided to come back to earth for a specific purpose, usually because their life purpose hasn't been fulfilled or because they know a loved one needs them. They also come out of the experience not fearing death at all, but actually looking forward to it. To me, when all these thousands of people who don't know each other are saying the same things, and if all these experiences have the same effect on people's lives afterwards, what more proof could we all need? 
People having OBEs and NDEs report a sense of having actually left their physical body, but they have full use of their senses, which are often greatly enhanced. They have freedom of movement and a sense of well-being. They can see things that would not normally be visible to them, such as objects on top of cabinets in the operating room, or on the rooftops of nearby buildings, or family members not present in the room. They may know the thoughts of those present in the room with them, or report precise details of conversations that occurred when they were under general anesthesia. Dr. Kenneth Ring and Sharon Cooper performed a study examining the NDEs of people who have been blind from birth. The results offer particularly compelling evidence of the existence of consciousness beyond the body, because these people have never been able to see. Unlike sighted people, having NDEs who are describing objects and people that they have witnessed before, blind people have no such frame of reference. During their NDEs, blind people have been able to describe details of objects they have never seen. One such experiencer was a 45-year-old woman named Vicky Umipeg, whose optic nerve had been destroyed at birth by an overdose of oxygen. She reported, I don't see anything, not even in my dreams, not even black. After a car accident, she was taken to the emergency room and she found her awareness floating above her body. I found myself in the hospital looking down at what was happening, frightened since I had never seen before. Vicky was disoriented and had difficulty recognizing that the body she was staring down at her she, the body she was staring down at was hers. I knew that it was mine because I wasn't in mine, Vicky said. Vicky was later able to describe the doctor and nurse who were working on her unconscious body, as well as their words. She said, They kept saying, We can't bring her back. I felt very detached from my body and couldn't understand why they were upset. I went up through the ceiling, hearing beautiful sounds of wind chimes. Where I was, I could see trees, birds and people, but all made of light. I was overwhelmed because I couldn't imagine what light was like. It was like a place where all knowledge was. I was then sent back in, into my body in excruciating pain. Vicky was also able to describe details of objects she had never been able to see, such as the patterns on her rings. I think I was wearing the plain gold band on my right ring finger, and my father's wedding ring next to it. But my wedding ring I definitely saw. That was the one I noticed the most beautiful because it's most unusual. It has orange blossoms on the corners of it. Vicky later said that this experience was the only time I could ever relate to seeing and to what light was because I experienced it. NDEs and OBEs can be transformative. John was a gay African-American man with an advanced degree, but after being diagnosed with AIDS, he hit rock bottom. Then, while participating in a study of AIDS patients, he found himself transcending preoccupation with his own suffering and help helping a drunk white man who was in distress. Right afterward, he had an OBE. Here's how he describes the experience. I felt like I was floating over my body, and I'll never forget this. As I was floating over my body, I looked down, and it was like this shriveled up prune, nothing but a prune, like an old dried skin. And my soul, my spirit, was over my body. Everything was so separated. 
I was just feeling like I was in different dimensions. I felt it in my body like a gush of wind blows. I remember saying to God, God, I can't die now because I haven't fulfilled my purpose. And just as I said that, the spirit and the body became one. It all collided and I could feel this gush of wind and I was a whole person again. That was really a groundbreaking experience. Before becoming HIV positive, my faith was so fear-based. I always wanted to feel I belonged somewhere, that I fit in, or that I was loved. What helped me to overcome the fear of God and the fear of change was that I realised that no one had a monopoly on God. I was able to begin to replace a lot of destructive behaviour with a sort of spiritual desire. I think also what changed was my desire to get close to God, to love myself, and to really embrace unconditional love. History is full of remarkable discoveries of individuals who had factual knowledge of people who lived before them in places they had never been. Perhaps one of the most convincing and documented cases of a past life reality is the story of James Leninger, published in a book called Soul Survivor, which was written by his parents. Three weeks after James Leninger's second birthday, he began to experience the same terrifying nightmare, night after night. In his sleep, James would shout out recurring phrases such as, Plane on fire! Little man can't get out! Out of concern for their son's welfare, Bruce and Andrea Leninger pieced together what their son was communicating and eventually discovered that he was reliving the past life of World War II fighter pilot James Huston. Huston was stationed on the aircraft carrier USS Natoma Bay and died after being shot down in a battle over the Sea of Japan. When young James was taken to a reunion of Natoma Bay veterans, he recognised many by name. When the Leningers found out that one of James Huston's siblings was still alive, they contacted her. Through their conversations, James was able to accurately recall Huston's family history that he experienced while in his former life as James Huston. Soul Survivor is a riveting true story of how the Leningers' belief system, which did not include a belief in reincarnation, was shaken to the core as they came to recognise the fact that their little boy, against all odds and in the face of true sceptics, including themselves, nevertheless harboured the soul of a man who died long ago. Dolores Cannon was a lovely woman who developed a hypnosis technique that allowed her to take her patients through past life regressions. These past life regressions helped her patients heal certain diseases and identify what karmic ties they had with previous lives. She took her patients through the death process and beyond in order to discover what happens after death. After doing this with thousands of patients, she said they all said the same things about what happens after death. Here is the process. Number one, they felt very cold and they instantly leave the body and are looking down on their body. Number two, they then went through a tunnel towards a bright light. Number three, near-death experiences are encouraged to go back and never get beyond the light. And usually they do decide to go back because they realize a loved one needs them but it is completely their own decision. However, for those who die, they go through the light, which is described as a huge energy source, which some have called God. Number four, the silver cord is then shattered. Dolores says that everyone is connected to the spirit realm with a silver cord. 
Once it is shattered, you cannot return back to the body again. This is similar to what the spiritual teacher Osho said in his The Book of Secrets. He said that within our spine, there is an invisible thread-like silver cord of, en of energy. Our spines are connected to our whole body, and so Osho says that the cord is our life. It's what connects our visible and in invisible existence. It is through this thread that we are connected to our soul. Number five. There are three different astral planes you can then go to, depending on your vibration. These astral planes are places where souls can heal from trauma and negativity, review their lives, and then decide when and where to reincarnate again, perhaps based on wanting to repay some karma, to learn new spiritual lessons or help others' souls learn lessons, or to have certain experiences before they progress. The astral planes are also where souls can learn spiritual principles, but the schools in these planes are described as book learning, while incarnating in a physical body is like hands-on experience. According to Ra in the Law of One, third density is where most of the soul's learning occurs and where the most enriching experiences are. So many of us are keen to reincarnate several times to gain as much knowledge and experience as we can. So reincarnation is completely our choice. Dolores' patience taught her that life is just all at play, a game. The souls also tell her that everything is interwoven because we are all one and we are all everything. Whatever we do, say or think affects everyone. They also taught her that nobody dies until they're ready to die and everyone chooses how they are going to die. Dolores says that she has never had someone who described an after-death experience as bad or negative. She has written many books about the details of certain people's past lives that are notable. Of these books, my favourites are ones talk taking us through the lives of people who were close to Jesus. These books have incredible detail in them that have later been proved to be accurate, details that one could not have known from research. Dr Ian Stevenson has researched thousands of cases where young children remember their past lives. He would note down what the child was saying about their past life and then research to try and find a person who matches their description. He would use information such as how the person died, where they lived, information about relationships with others, birth defects, phobias and allergies. In many cases, Dr. Stevenson found a match of the life the child remembers and he would then find people who were close to the person from the previous life and ask them to confirm the details. He would also often confirm details of the way the children claim they died in their previous life with police reports and autopsies. From his findings, we, conclu we can conclude that there is a very strong scientific case for a reincarnation. There are several stories of children who remember their past lives. One notable case is a four-year-old Australian boy called Billy Thompson who was recently on the news for claiming that he was a Princess Diana in his previous life. His parents laughed it off at first, but then Billy started giving details about the princess, princess's life. This was odd since his parents never talked about the princess, and he never learnt about her before. His memories were triggered when someone gave his parents a pack of playing cards, where a drawing of Princess Diana was on the Queen card. Upon seeing this card when he was two years old, the boy kept saying, Look, that's me as a princess. 
The parents didn't give it much thought initially. The boy then told his parents about his two sons, Prince Harry and Prince William, and he started describing a castle that he, as Diana, would often go to. He said that the castle had unicorns on its walls. The parents found that these details matched Balmoral Castle in Scotland, which Diana did often go to. His parents then showed him another photo of Diana, which he again confirmed was him, and he said, Then one day the sirens came and I wasn't the princess anymore. This is very odd for such a young boy to know the details of someone's death. The strangest part was that he claimed to have a brother called John. His parents were initially relieved because they knew Diana's brother was called Charles, but upon further investigation found that Diana did in fact have a brother called John who died shortly after his birth. For those who may not know, a medium connects with someone's loved ones in spirit and gives enough detailed evidence to demonstrate that they're, they're really linking with a specific individual. While, yes, there may be some mediums who might give quite vague information, but there are many mediums who give such specific information that there could not be any possible way of them knowing it other than genuinely communicating with the dead. The intention of mediumship is to let someone know that their deceased loved ones are still a part of their lives, provide closure and bereavement support, and diminish the fear of death. Loved ones in spirit may offer messages of love, support and healing, or specific information understood only by the sitter. For those who are curious, I encourage you to find a highly rated medium near you and try it out for yourself. How can these mediums do their jobs unless souls never truly die and continue to live on after the physical death? So let's go to uh, the fear that a lot of people have of uh, someone else's death, perhaps the death of a loved one. Why do people fear someone else's death? One of the main reasons is perhaps the fear of being alone. But you must realize that you are never alone. Our souls never die and so the person's true self always exists. In addition, you always have your guardian angels, your spirit guides, and other benevolent entities who care for you and love you so much. You can develop a relationship with all these entities during meditation. If you decide to do this, I promise you, you'll never be afraid of being alone again. When a loved one dies, people are often depressed because they feel that the person should have lived for longer or the death shouldn't have happened. But when you realise that each soul chooses how they die, you realise there was no mistake. The soul felt it was time to leave. What's more, we all chose to incarnate into our lives with full knowledge of how and when the people close to us will die. We wanted these experiences. It is the ego that resists life thinking it should go a certain way. So when someone dies, there are of course the initial emotions that arise in response to the shock of a loved one's death. However, it is the ego that then feels depressed and doesn't feel life should have gone this way. It is also the ego that lives in the past and will use someone's death as a way to romanticize the past and deem the present moment unsatisfactory. You can either choose to listen to the ego's thoughts that will keep you in suffering for a long time after a person's death, or you can decide to appreciate the good times you had with that person, go over the lessons you learned from your relationship with that person, and move on by living in the present. Feeling depressed and angry 
and grieving for a long time after someone's death is the result of a choice one makes to listen to their ego. We get so attached to people's characters and bodies, yet we do not feel attached to their souls. This is why people feel grief when someone dies, they feel there has been a loss. Instead, once we discover who we truly are, and who others truly are, we only attach to what is eternal in people, which is their souls. In this way, we don't ever have to feel sad when someone dies because we know the person's true self lives forever, and that they have completed what they came here to do in this earthly life. Thousands of Tibetan Buddhist monks transform into what's called a rainbow body when they die. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has documented 160,000 of such cases. In most cases, the physical body would shrink to a child-sized body and a light can be seen to ascend from the body. In other cases, the body completely vanishes. Weeks before the transformation, some can engrave their hand or foot into a cave wall. The monks say that the secret to this is to only have loving thoughts for 13 to 60 years. As we have discussed before, we are beings of love and light, all part of one, are all part of and one with God. What creates the illusion of separation is the ego. We have also discussed how true love is seeing your divine oneness with something or someone. So it makes sense that if we only have loving thoughts for many years, we completely remove our individuality. Therefore, there would no longer be any need for the body, as you would have reached a permanent state of oneness. The body is a tool that we choose to incarnate into in order to learn certain spiritual lessons and have certain experiences. These spiritual lessons will help us get closer to reuniting with God. Once someone has fulfilled their purpose and has learned certain lessons, they will not have any use for their body anymore, and so can die. Why do you think some people are born more wise, more loving, or more compassionate than others? Many of you listening to this may have felt quite different to others throughout your lives. Why do you think this is? Some people have reincarnated more than others, and so are further along their spiritual path. And some of us have lived lives on other planets, and so may feel out of place on Earth. Anyone that knows me and my family will tell you that I am completely different than them, and have always been calmer, more compassionate, wise and forgiving than the rest of my family. I do not say this to brag, but I know that a lot of people on their spiritual journeys feel the same. And so I just want to reassure you that you weren't adopted or anything, you may have just had more lives. To be further along on one spiritual path than others is no reason to believe we are better than others. We are all one, and just because you have had more lives doesn't make you a better person. We should instead use our soul experience, our compassion and the wisdom we have to help others who are behind us in their journeys. There will still be those who, after listening to this, are adamant that there is no afterlife. But let me ask you this, why do you believe there is no afterlife? Most will say that it's because all they can see is someone dying and they can't see anything else. Or it's just all they've been taught in their life. So those who don't believe in life after death are simply going off belief and what they can perceive with their senses 
While there is a lot of evidence to prove there are soul, that our souls do live on beyond the body, much of this evidence has been scientifically and historically validated. We have to identify these program beliefs and realize where they came from. When we do this, we can see how we have been taught many of our beliefs, rather than our beliefs coming from within us. What does your heart say is true? Thank you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, then please feel free to express them in the comments section below. If you would like to book a free healing or spiritual support session with me, or if you would like to donate love or money to my channel, then please visit my website www.highvibelivin.co.uk